Welcome to After the JAG Corps, Navigating Your Career Progression, a podcast for judge advocates leaving military service. After the JAG Corps assists officers transitioning from the military law practice by learning from individuals who have successfully embarked on new careers, providing insight on rewarding professional opportunities, job search strategies, resumes, the value of your military experience, and more. Now, here is your host, Tom Welsh. Today on After the JAG Corps, we are talking to Mike Milios. Mike is a Army JAG veteran who served almost eight years on active duty, leaving the active duty component back in May 2015. Mike, welcome to the podcast and thank you. It's great to be here, Tom, and thank you for what you do. Well, we're trying, brother. So, Mike, eight years. What did you do and why'd you leave? We miss you. It was a wonderful experience. I, I did eight years on active duty, and then I was able to hang on for a few years in the reserves, and then eventually became a civilian. Let's see, I started the Army journey when I was 17. I did the ROTC route, and then commissioned, and then I was really fortunate to get the Ed Delay, and then I started my DAG journey in 07 with the first stop being at, at the 101st, where I went overseas to do all the different jobs, the trial counsel job, the legal assistance, and ad law, and spent a few years on the coast in Virginia, Fort Monroe. And then the rest of my time in the active component was doing defense work. I was trial defense up at beautiful Fort Drum, and then I was appellate defense at Fort Belvoir. And then uh, in 15, I made the decision to transition. And it's been a few years in the reserves and the reserve was hard. It was hard managing a military career, a civilian practice and, oh, trying to be a good dad, partner and engaged in the community. Really rewarding experience, but I'm grateful also to be doing, just doing other things. Sure, sure. Fort Belvoir, just up the road here from Dumfries, Virginia. I know exactly what building you're talking about there. But Mike, you're a Baltimore guy, so I saw that you played hockey in college and then stayed local for law school as well. I did, yep. I grew up in the Maryland area, went to school, uh, Loyola for undergrad, went to University of Baltimore for law school. Now I'm out here in Minnesota, so I uh, definitely miss, miss the East Coast at times, but it's, it's good to come back and visit. And then I'll sit in 90 minutes of traffic and remember that the Midwest is okay. So Mike, take us back to, I, I guess, either Fort Drum or Fort Belvoir. When did you know that you were going to be leaving the Army active duty component? Yeah, it was probably when I found really, I, I think my calling was to be in some type of client services. I, I really felt called just to working with individuals. I really was was passionate about but at that time trial work and then then appellate work. I really wanted to stay on the the defense side when I was I think it was 2014. You know the career advisors were saying it's probably a good idea if, if you go take on a another command role. You know doing some command judge advocate time, brigade judge advocate time. And I was just like, I, I want to do client services. And so 
that was when I, you know, my family made the decision to transition and you know, I started serving as a public defender up in Minnesota, but I still got my army time in because I was a drilling reservist. And so I was still able to get that, that camaraderie with military friends. But yeah, I just, I didn't really want to go back to work for the command anymore. So that was, that was the time where I was like, all right, uh, you know, a transition is probably going to be in my future. So you make that decision, you transition. Tell me about the job search. How did you go about looking for work when you're at Fort Belvoir and you eventually end up, I guess, your first job out of there? That Was that in, was that local or was that in the Minnesota area? It was in the Minnesota area. It was tough because I wasn't returning to my home. So I didn't even know where to start. You know, I was like, all right, I'm a criminal defense lawyer. I was like, let me reach out to some criminal defense lawyers. And I found the MACDL, you know, the Minnesota Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. And I was able to link up with them. And, and they were actually really tremendous. They're like, hey, come join some of our events, you know, come play softball. And then I actually joined the county hockey team as well. So I was like, all right, this is a good chance for me to meet people. And I didn't have to go to those you know, perhaps stuffy networking events where you get like the name tag and, you know, there's not really that chance to connect or bond. So I was like, all right, let me just get to know people and do it in a way that I, I enjoyed it. You know, so I'm, I'm an introvert, like a lot of people and going to those mass networking events just was really uncomfortable for me. So I was like, all right, now how can I find other connections? And then I reached out to the military community. There were colleagues. I remember the first case I tried at West Point. I remember staying in touch with the, um, the trial counsel up there, Dan Sperling, and he was living in Minnesota. The chief of the government appellate division was a Minnesota guy, Colonel Carroll, and he linked me up with folks. So I reached out to the military community. I was like, hey, I'm Mike. Don't really know what I want to be when I grow up. And I would love, love some connections. And, yeah, but Mike, uh, I, I think it's important to point out that you just became a hero to a lot of people out there that may be listening to this because they said, oh, hey, I can go to my spouse and say, I'm not playing hockey for the fun of it. I'm not playing yeah, softball right. or basketball for the fun of it. <laughs> I'm networking. And people yep. don't think of sports as networking. So a bunch of people, I bet you right now when they hear this, are going to write that down. So you just gained hero status in my book. You know, you can do it for your partnership and you can do it as an expense. It's like, listen, I'm not doing this for recreation. You know, this is a business expense. I got to go out and, and meet people and, and grow, my, grow my network. And so I have been able to travel on hockey trips, you know, with fellow lawyers. And it's a great way to generate connections and clients. I, I learned, I was like, I don't really like going to these happy hours where, you know, no one really pays attention to what folks are saying, or you're, or there's just not a lot of time to develop like an intimate connection where it's like, yeah, if you go out and make closer connections, I found it more beneficial and fun. I mean, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile. It looks like other than working with the law office of Jocelyn Stewart, you've pretty much have been on your own. Yeah, I started my own practice. And then um, I also was really grateful for an opportunity for an of counsel position with Jocelyn. And Jocelyn has been an incredible mentor and friend. So I was able to still do courts martial with her practice and do military appeals. And then I also started my own 
practice here in town doing discharge upgrades, local, state criminal defense. And then I, I do a federal CJA panel mm-hmm. where I'm taking on federal criminal defense. I think what I needed to do, and I didn't quite realize that at the time was I needed to try a lot of different things. And I think that was unsettling for me. And I, I know it's unsettling for a lot of un- other people because you know, we don't always give ourselves that permission to explore, to say, all right, you know, now that there's this opportunity as I transition to try different things. And, you know, I'm actually in the space where I'm, I'm winding my practice up and, and going in a different direction. But, you know, I, I am grateful for those years of trying federal cases, trying state cases and taking on those, those challenges, which are really scary. Yeah, before we turn to where you're going with your professional life, how hard was it to break into, I mean, you've already touched upon the networking aspect, but did you wave into the Minnesota State Bar, setting up your own practice, figuring out all those things that you did not need to worry about when you were on active duty because you knew you got a paycheck from Uncle Sam, all you had to do was have a pulse and show up for work. So take us through the discovery process, if you will, of setting up your own practice and or working with another lawyer. Yeah, well, I really like to learn most lessons the hard way. That was the approach I took. Yeah, and I, at first I was a little bit reluctant to ask for help because I was like, because when you look at other folks' websites and profiles, it looks like everybody has it figured out. But, you know, when you peel it back, you're like, no, we're, we're all learning this stuff. So it, it was a challenge because, I mean, I had to learn how to be, you know, a business person. I had to learn how to be the IT person. I had to learn how to be the marketing person. And I am really grateful for mentors. Like, that's one thing that I would recommend is that, you know, I reached out to other small practitioners. I mean, Jocelyn was one of them. Bill Casera was really helpful in my early days and still is still is now. And then local attorneys in town that I was, I I would just reach out and say like, Hey, you know, I'm trying this. And they're like, Oh, well, maybe you should talk to the public defender's office and get a contract. And then I was like, Oh, that's a great idea. And they, they really needed people. So I was able to, you know, bring on a defense or bring on a public defender contract. And that enabled me to get some mentorship as, you know, as I learned how to try state cases and then you know, reaching out to, you know, various subject matter experts, like, how do I build a website? You know, I need a web presence. But what does that even mean? You know, because yeah, because you feel so overwhelmed, because you feel like there's 5000 things you need to do. And you really need folks that have been through it to help guide you. And I love being in that space now to help, you know, folks that are, are leaving the core or leaving a firm to be like, hey, this is what I've done. And I wasted a ton of money on this advertising, you know, or it's like, I thought this would be a good idea. And it was a huge mistake, but I, but I learned from it. And I look back at, you know, being like, yeah, those have really been helpful life lessons and don't be afraid to try it. And when it doesn't work, move on. So what kind of mediation work are you doing? Is that on family law or is it other areas? My primary focus is, is family law. But I also do other areas. I, I volunteer with the court systems up here. I, I do housing court. I do harassment court. I do civil court. 
it's been really nice to transition away from the adversarial system where, you know, it's my job to be the problem solver, where it's shifting the agency over to the people who have conflict and say, hey, this is your opportunity to have a discussion and, you know, try to think with a constructive mindset and you know, give, an give yourself some agency. So you were in the, you were a lawyer, you had a law firm and uh, you still do technically, it mm-hmm. looks like. I do. But, I'm winding but, it up now. You're winding it up. And you did mention that. And now you have branched into to life and wellness coach in addition to that mediation mission. Tell me about this life and wellness coach and how you, how you turned to it. Sure. Um, I was unhealthy for a number of years and I was too obstinate to, to talk about it. I was too obstinate to get a therapist. And so, yeah, it was probably around like my time as trial defense counsel, health defense counsel. I really wasn't managing the stress, the secondary trauma that well, you know, I was just like, all right, you know, keep my, keep focused on the mission and everything will, will work itself out. And then, no, I remember I was at the Clarence Darrow Death Penalty Defense College and I, I looked around at all these like amazing people who have committed to a life of service, but they just looked miserable. And I was one of them. I felt miserable. So I wanted to change my trajectory. You know, I wanted to, you know, I, I, my life was missing a sense of joy, certain levels of, of happiness. And I felt like I was just kind of an autopilot. So I got involved with a few different organizations, one being Veterans Yoga Project, which offers trauma-informed yoga and mindfulness. And then um, I started studying holistic health more. And I, um, I got accredited through the Mayo Clinic. Just, you know, I really needed to work on myself, you know, my, you know, the whole health, you know, our, our mental health, my, my mental health, my spiritual health, my, my physical health. And, you know, when I made that a priority, I was like, oh, wow, you know, I'm a lot happier in this existence. I'm a, I'm a better dad. I'm a better friend. I'm a better partner. And so now I, you know, in a part-time capacity, I, I want to help people find their path, you know, because you know, just like mediation, it's like, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to help support your journey because I want, I want to brings you joy, what brings you meaning and how you can cultivate that. Because a lot of us in our legal professions are, are miserable and we don't manage stress well, we don't manage trauma well, and we don't really talk about it. And, you know, taking the opportunity to, to get in with, get in with a therapist you know, use the VA resources, you know, find stuff that is going to give you a deeper sense of purpose, meaning, and joy is really a passion of mine. And the practice I'm on, I certainly haven't perfected it, but yeah, it's been really great to work in the legal community in a different capacity than as an advocate. And then we started a nonprofit here in Minnesota called Karuna Community Minnesota, where we offer trauma-informed yoga to you know, people are that are in jail and prisons and recovery and reentry. And it's been great to share these tools with, you know, the entire legal community, not, not just lawyers and legal professionals and legal staff. I wanted to ask you, I mean, ha- have you found a market? It sounds like you've done, but ha- have you found a market for your services in the lawyer legal field? What's the response been? How long did it take to get that up and running and ha- really have a clientele, if you will? At first, it was a, like, what? 
what are you doing? Why is this needed? And now it's a lot more of a curious response because it's like, yes, we too noticed this and we need to change. And I've I've been able to do uh, group and individual sessions and it it's been amazing to watch the legal community warm up to it. You know, I recently did a, a whole training for the judges of the Fourth Circuit, which is Minneapolis and Hennepin County. In the fall, I'm doing a weekend training for the Minnesota State Public Defenders. And then it's funny because I, I practice in uh, federal criminal defense and the U.S. Attorney's Office had me out. So I, I went to work with all the opposing counsel as to you know how you can use mindfulness as a tool to manage trauma you know how you can live live and show up with a sense of compassion but not take on the compassion fatigue the burnout the response has has been good recently at first there was a, a bit of reluctance they're like uh i don't know you're coming in here and offering me this yoga stuff like we just we picture spandex and you know <laughs> wrapping your leg around your your neck and it's like no we're just coming together to remove and breathe and you know talk about healthy life tools so that we can show up for our clients we can show up for our families and the legal practice doesn't have to be this grind or this, you know, miserable state of being, which, you know, it, it can be. Yeah. I was going to say, I entered law school 13 years before you did. And I can remember the first semester talking about the high rates of alcoholism and the high rates of divorces. And so it seems like this would be a no brainer, but of course it's a matter of people willing to accept new approaches to old problems and whole, the whole practice of mindfulness, of, of being able to learn that you really can't trust memories and you really can't control the future and really how to just focus on what you have, which the only real thing is what you have in front of you, which is today. Yeah, you're spot on, my friend. Yeah, I've, I've looked into it a little bit. So you, so you see a future in this in Minneapolis, of all places. I do. It's starting to expand more. I just think in general, the legal profession is like, we're not healthy. As you mentioned, the suicide numbers, the alcoholism, most lawyers being impacted by, you know, certain mental health conditions. And we're, we're finally opening up. And, you know, in Minnesota, we have lawyers concerned for lawyers chapters that provides for free sessions of therapy, you know, or if you're a veteran, you can go to the VA or the, the vet center and just you know, think of it just like we would, you know, in the military, you know, as a toolkit, you know, what are the tools that, what are the tools that are available and accessible to me so that I can, you know, still have, have a, you know, healthy relationship with, with my family and practice. Cause I think there's a lot of us that don't think those two are compatible, you know, a healthy, meaningful existence and a happy law practice. We were talking beforehand, and you mentioned that you had heard Amy Bateman's conversation. Yeah, she's with me. wonderful. Yeah, and the idea that you know, especially in a service where you're supposed to be bulletproof and you know, iron person, that the ability to say, "Hey, I, I need to take this knee for a little bit and 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 focus yeah. and just take a breather to be able to get my head back in the game instead of just plugging on." It's something that. In my 28, 29 years is something that only recently 
just like everything else, PTSD and all those other stressors that we've really started uh, being mindful of. Yeah, I so appreciate what Amy is doing in the community, you know, bringing all this into the conversation with an action plan. Yeah, because we just, you know, when I, I remember I had, I had a close friend in the JAG Corps commit suicide and there, there really just wasn't a, you know, they were like, oh, well, if you need to, you can talk to the chaplain. But it's like, no, like, what are our leaders doing to lead the way to open up communication, share resources, and then also be vulnerable with this is this is how I'm feeling. This is how I manage it and being okay to say, I'm not okay today. So I appreciate those the leaders out there changing the culture, you know, both in the, the military, legal community, and all over, all over. Cause it's it's not, these aren't isolated problems to the uh, you know, to the various JAG cores, the services and the legal community. You know, I think we have deep cultural problems. But I am optimistic. I, I think we are seeing change happen. And, you know, that, that does get me excited. Yeah. So I talked to a judge advocate who's leaving active duty to pursue an alternative career choice involves going back to school. What would you tell people who are out there thinking about doing something X, which X being something that is not strictly law related, something that they did not go to law school for, what would your advice to those people be who are on the fence thinking about, this is what I'd really like to do, but I feel compelled to do this? Yeah, I love how this came up because I was reading a book last night by Parker Palmer, and he's got a great quote about his vocational journey. And I'll share a quote. He says, I never saw my vocational journey in terms of, quote, achieving great things. I saw it then as I see it now, a series of probes into my gifts and the needs of the world, trying to discover where they might intersect. And I, I love that because, you know, you get the, the image of probing, which brings up a bunch of different <laughs> images, but the idea of exploration. You know, there's there's really nothing bad in exploring because even if you try something and it doesn't work out, you've still gained from that experience. And I know for me, I, I struggled with it because I saw how much time I put into law school and how much time specifically I put into criminal defense that it feels like sunk cost. It's like, how can I walk away when I've developed this expertise? But I have explored. I even did, I think I did three months of civil work. And I was like, whoa, this is definitely not for me. But, you know, I, I've been a volunteer with a nonprofit as both an executive director and a board chair. And then, you know, in August, I'll be starting as an executive director of a mediation and restorative uh, services nonprofit. And I, I think it's so important for people to give themselves that opportunity to be, to be curious, whether it's going back to school, whether it's you know, talking to a career counselor. I mean, there's so many resources available where you can talk to other people and other fields and ask them the questions, you know, because I, as funny as I was interviewing and I said to the interview, the interview board, I said, does this job offer meaning and a healthy life balance? Because that's all I really cared about. You know, and that's all I really do care about. You know, I want to be of service, have some sort of meaning and purpose. And then I want you know, spend time with my family. And I think if people take that space to, you know, with the mindfulness to say, all right, you know, what is it that I want? 
you know, what is it that is going to give me that sense of joy, purpose, and meaning, and use it as a time to explore and remember that it's nothing permanent. Even if you go to school for another thing, you can explore another career. I know I was really reluctant to do that because I was like, I'm a criminal defense lawyer. You know, this is what I am. This is what I'm good at. But there's a feeling of freedom and liberation to like take a pause from my practice and know, know that I can come back and just explore with a sense of curiosity. Yeah. I mean, the world has definitely sped up. I think back to the 30 years almost that I've been in. We didn't even have email. We had internal systems that could communicate throughout the Navy JAG Corps, but we didn't have email. We didn't have cell phones. Faxes were the greatest thing at the time, the ability to, <laughs> to send paper. And now you have cell phones, which have messaging, phone, email, WhatsApp, and half a dozen other ways for people to reach out and, and touch you. And, and everybody is expecting an answer now. Things happen now. And just having had that opportunity to slow down life, to be disconnected. Mm. I was, like I told you, I, was, I walked the Camino and I, my cell phone didn't have coverage. The only time I could check it was in the evening on the Wi-Fi and not, and it couldn't get phone calls and it couldn't get text messages. And just the freedom of not being plugged in. And, and now you look at the Army, you look at the Navy, even our operations, you have chat, you have the ability to, to be reached out and touched at any minute. And there's no end to the business day. You know, I can remember this from a duty station of having a computer at home and checking it on weekends and having that tension, that stress brought in. So the importance, I think, of mindfulness, for example, and I, and I don't know it as much as you, but the ability to step away from everything and just refocus on yourself and your relationships in your life is becoming more and more important as the world keeps spinning faster. You got it. That's exactly it. And that was the thing too, is I lived so much of my life in autopilot with the constant, you know, notifications, distractions. Yeah, you become so overwhelmed by it that, but it just becomes the normal thing. And then I had a similar experience where I went to a veterans retreat in Montana with Veterans Yoga Project, no cell service for a week. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, my body can feel like this. And then you learn the neuroscience behind it. You're like, oh, my nervous system is in the parasympathetic nervous system and the rest and restoration and relaxation mode or so my body can heal. It can digest food. The immune system can kick on. I can sleep instead of being in that fight, flight, or freeze mode because you're always, you're always on and responding, you know, whether you're battling traffic or you get that 10 o'clock email, you know, that you got to put a fire out. Yeah. I was so unhealthy for so long without even realizing how unhealthy I was. And I'm just better at noticing those patterns. I still have the neuroses and I still have plenty of bad habits, you know, where my brain wants to pick up the phone and check email for no reason. But it's like, no, I need to put those healthy mechanisms in place. Incredible. So you look content with what you're doing. You look relaxed. I don't know what you look like before, but you look. <laughs> yeah, I was a hot mess before. You look pretty stressed. I don't want to say stress fee. That, that means you have no issues, but it looks like you sort of found your niche, if you will. You know, it's, it's a practice. And, you know, tomorrow there'll be something stressing me out, perhaps. And, you know, I'm still, I've just gotten be a bit better at, at managing, taking some time for perspective. And, you know, health, healthy boundaries with clients, judges, prosecutors. It's a practice. I certainly haven't perfected it, but. 
feel a lot better when I uh, than when I didn't have some healthy tools in my life. You already sort of said this, you know, play, playing it forward. I will be posting a link to your LinkedIn profile, which I see has experienced life and wellness coach and mediator. Millius Mediation and Wellness. So I'm sure that if there's judge advocates or former judge advocates that want to reach out and learn more about your practice, your new specialty, your, your wellness coach, that they can find you on LinkedIn. And I'm sure you'd be happy to speak with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Call anytime. I, I've had so many great people in my life, you know, help me out. Just, just grab coffee, phone chat. I'm glad to chat with anybody. Um, yeah. You know, no. just, to, yeah, even if you just want to bend an ear and be like, hey, this is what I'm considering. I'm, I'm glad to be a, uh, a forum for that. No pressure, but do you have any saved rounds that I didn't hit you on when, uh, or any messages that you want to get out that I haven't asked about? No. Okay. No. Remind people to remind people to stay curious and don't think just because you've done one thing for so long that that is what you're meant to be doing. And yeah, reach out, whether it's reach out for help, reach out for support. You know, there's so much power and strength in community that you don't have to do it alone. That would be my final. Great message, Mike. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you bet, Tom. So great to connect. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. After the Jag Corps is a TJW 50 Associates LLC production.